0: Our scripture reading for today comes from Psalms 29. The Psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship in the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The the God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the, shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl, and the strips of the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: Amen. So recently, uh, a well-known pastor and missionary, uh, Francis Chan, was commenting about the church. And we were talking about this even this morning as a staff, and one of the things that he said, I'm going to paraphrase, he said that we need to stop thinking of the church as an auditorium. Or concert hall. And start thinking of the church. Like a gym. And I, and I think that's true. And I think what we're going to be talking about today. Is going to illustrate that. We need to stop looking at the church, stop looking at this gathering as a place that I can come and, and be entertained and, and learn something interesting. And we need to start viewing this time as a, as a gathering together, a, a re-equipping, a re-energizing, a, a re-empowering of who we are and what we're called to be. Because can I just tell you the world is Chaotic. The world is broken and in turmoil. And there are people in this world whose lives feel fragmented and broken and in just a thousand little pieces. And that is especially true in this season that the church has been blessed to live in. Because can I tell you that a, a candle shines brightest when the room is the darkest? So this time of of turmoil, this time of brokenness in our world is the opportunity for you and me, the church, the bride of Christ, to shine the brightest. But in order for us to shine, we have to have peace. We have to have peace because that is what our world needs. All of these people with broken and fragmented lives. All these people who are experiencing unrest about the the nation and and the political upheaval. The ones who are experiencing job loss or income loss. The ones who are afraid of becoming ill or the ones who have become ill. The ones who are afraid of the unknown. What they need is peace. Because they're asking the question, when is this ever going to end? All they can think about is, I cannot have peace until my circumstances change. I mean, how many of you, I I, I have, how many of you in the midst of all this chaos have asked asked yourself, when is this all going to end? When is this going to stop? When do I have to stop wearing a mask? When do I have to stop being worried or afraid or or, uh, experiencing unrest? Let me ask another question how many of you could use a little peace? I'm raising my hand. I could use a little peace, but I also know that the people that I'm going to run into out in that world who don't know Christ, who aren't a part of the community of believers, they are desperate for peace. And I cannot give them what I do not have. And you cannot give them what you do not have. So we have to have peace. Peace. So that's what we're going to be talking about the, the next three weeks in this series is pieces of peace. And here's the reality that we want you to realize today. Here's what we want you to walk away from today remembering. Peace isn't found. It's put together. Peace is not found. It's put together. Because as human beings, we, we've learned to like the quick fix. We've learned uh, to, to lack the, the easy answers. And because of that, we've been fooled into thinking that, that peace is one big step away. I mean, how many of you have found yourself thinking, if I only had a little bit more money, then I'd have peace. Or if, if only I had gone to college and got that degree, I, I'd, I'd have peace. If only I had avoided that one critical mistake then I would have peace if only I lived somewhere different I would have peace then then when all of when, when I have that one big thing I would have peace see we've, we've been fooled into thinking peace is just this thing that we find you know it's a little more money away it's it's one big house away it's one right relationship away but the truth is peace is not found it's put together. Peace is a lot like a puzzle. How many, how many of you are unique, I'll say, and like puzzles? How many of Raise your hand if you've done the, the thousand piece puzzle? Anybody done more than a thousand? What how many? Twelve hundred? Anybody more than twelve hundred? How many? Five thousand. I got five thousand. Anybody beat five thousand? All right, gold star for today, five thousand. This is the expert right here. y'all need to talk to her, but let's talk about a puzzle right when you When you get a puzzle and you open that box and you dump all the pieces onto the table there's a there's a, there's a some wisdom in how you go about putting that puzzle together, right so first you if you're smart, you find the four the four corner pieces because they're the easiest, and then what you might do is you might find the pieces that have edges because you know that those are going to form the border. And, and then after that, what you might do is start looking at some of the pieces that have s- some similarity in color or design and you might start grouping those together. But can I just tell you, before you do any of that, before you can begin sorting and setting aside, you have to have a reference. You have to know what you're putting together looks like. Right? How incredibly difficult would it be to put a puzzle together, a 5,000 piece puzzle, if you didn't have the puzzle box to reference? See, the first thing that we do when we put a puzzle together is we set that box up so we can look at it. And we know what it looks like. And we know what we're trying to accomplish. We know what the picture should look like. In the end. In the same way. That we look at the box. To find the puzzle piece that we need. We need to be looking to God. To find the peace. That we need. For our puzzling lives. Peace is not found. It's put together. We put peace together. In our lives. When we connect. Our understanding of God. With the chaos that's going on in our lives, that's how we have peace. It's connecting what we know is true about God, what God says is true about himself and what God says is true about us, and we connect that to the chaos going on in our lives. Psalms 29, I love that psalm. that was great, because it, it, it's trying to reveal to us, it's trying to stir up in us this sense of God's greatness. The psalmist describes God's glory and His strength and His splendor, and how God's voice could be heard over the rushing mighty waters. He tells how God's voice is like thunder over the turmoil and the noise of the rushing water. God's voice—he's he's trying to get help us to get a sense of the power and the glory of God's majesty in His presence. How many of you have ever been near a waterfall? Just for bonus, how many of you have ever put a puzzle together that is a waterfall? Anybody? All right. All right. Double points for you guys. You think about when you're near that waterfall, isn't that roar, that churning, it's so loud. And it can be heard well before you get to the waterfall. I want you to imagine with me all of that power and all of that beauty, that that water that's coming off of that cliffside and it's just cascading down. Waterfalls are awe-inspiring, but I don't know about you, but for me, they're also a little bit humbling. I think, what would happen if I got in a barrel and I went over that thing? You know, like, well, could I make it? I don't know. You know, you start you start thinking about the strength and the power, so it catches you off guard and it it, it puts you in awe, but it also humbles you. I think the psalmist who wrote Psalm twenty-nine was hoping to stir up that same experience in us as we think about God. That we should be responding to God with awe and humility as we, as we think about and we meditate on his power. I mean, just imagine. This is what the psalmist was hoping for us. That we would imagine standing next to Niagara Falls and and hearing the roar of that churning water and feeling the mist spray on us and seeing the glory of the water coming down. And just, you know, you're just standing next to somebody and you can't even hear hear them speaking because it's so loud, just that roaring water. And then you hear a voice talking to you clear as day, speaking into your life, identifying your weakness, and and offering strength. I mean, just imagine that experience. You hear this roar, and you just think there's no way anything would be able to talk over this. Nothing would be able to get my attention, and then suddenly you hear a voice that knows you and loves you. That's the kind of experience that that the psalmist is trying to, to to stir up in us. That that we serve this God of overwhelming power, overwhelming strength, and and who has a desire to speak over the roaring turmoil in our lives. But we've been we've been fooled into thinking that 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 can't be possible. Because we've been fooled into thinking that, that peace is the, is the absence of turmoil. That I can't have peace unless there's no conflict in my life. But peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is putting together the right things in the midst of the conflict. Peace is, is taking the picture of who God is and how we've experienced him and putting it into practice despite the hardships and the pain and the turmoil that's going on. You see, the world has told us that peace is contingent upon our circumstances. Those are the people we talked about earlier. Those who, who think I, I got to have just this one right thing. I got to have the right house, the right money, the right relationship. And then I can have peace. It's, it's contingent on circumstances. But that can fade away in an instant. We've, we've experienced that, especially in this season of COVID 19. But God's peace is an everlasting peace, and an everlasting peace that is, has, that is not influenced by circumstances. God's peace comes from having a complete picture of looking at that puzzle box and having a complete picture of who God says that He is and who God says that you are, and taking that peace and placing it in your life. I mean, let's go back to the waterfall analysis. let think about that. You've got that beautiful cascading water kind of gently falling down, and then you've got that just that churning water below. We need to remember that God created both of those. He created the gentle cascading experience, but he also created the turmoil and the churning that is below. Our picture of peace, that puzzle box, should come from God, not the circumstances that we're facing. We need to look to God and not those those turbulent circumstances. We need to be listening for God, not listening to that roar of conflict and and turmoil and, and, and chaos. We need to look to the box to find the piece of the puzzle. We need to look to God to find the peace for our soul. See, our, our fears and the, and the turmoil of this world, the, the chaos of our circumstances and the brokenness of our lives cannot overcome the voice of God. That's what the psalmist wanted us to understand. I mean, he, the, the psalmist paints this picture of, of this storm Just moving in over Palestine and it's just it's ripping at the forest and and just stirring up all of this noise, but God is speaking over it. I hope that encourages you. And if your life feels chaotic and you feel like there's no way I could hear from God, that God says, Oh yeah, I'm above the storm. I'm above the churning water. I'm above the chaos. In fact, we see that in verses three through five when it says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of Glory thunders. The Lord over all. My, uh, the Lord over mighty waters. The Lord. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. These 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 cedars of Lebanon are are these trees that are in the Lebanon mountain range, and they were symbolic of strength and power. So God is saying, I am stronger and more powerful. Than your definition of power and strength. God is is greater than this loud thunderstorm. That is going on in our lives. and And in the lives of those that we love. Jesus. Hear me. Jesus is our picture of peace. As we grow in our understanding of who God is. And what God says is true about us. We can begin to put peace together in our lives. Peace isn't found. It's put together. Again, I want to take us to verse 8. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. See, Kadesh was this, this, the, the place of wilderness wandering. Where the Israelites had to wander because of their disobedience. So you just imagine their circumstances. They're, they're hot, they're tired, uh, they're, they're dehydrated. And, and Moses gets impatient, and he gets frustrated with all of their complaining. He gets frustrated with his circumstances. He's annoyed by what's going on around him. And despite God giving him a means of relief, God told him, speak to the rock, and water will come forth. In his anger, his disobedience, and his impatience, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock. See, Moses made the mistake of of letting his circumstances influence him more than what God said. I mean, imagine how different that story would have been if if Moses would have taken a moment and and thought to himself, okay, God told us he was going to rescue us from the Egyptians. Check. He did that. Okay, God told us that we were going to plunder the Egyptians as we left. They were going to give us you know, gold and, and, and all of these other things. Yeah, he did that. And oh yeah, we, we were in that circumstance where it looked like we were going to get destroyed by Pharaoh and his army. And then God parted the Red Sea. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I should relax. God, God can handle this too. But we don't do that. We just start looking at everything around us instead of remembering what God has already done for us. We start listening to the lies that that God wants us to ignore. We listen to these lies of the enemy instead of listening to the truth that God is speaking to us. I'll tell you too, so many times we we don't have peace because we we pay attention to the, the chaos around us. But I think also many times we don't have peace because we don't feel like we deserve it. (sighs) Perfect timing. (laughs) We feel like we don't have peace because we don't deserve it. I made that one big mistake. So this is my lot in life. I don't deserve peace because I made this mistake or I, I messed up here or I messed up there. Well, I want to take us to another story in, in, the, in the gospel of Luke that addresses that attitude. See, in, in Luke 7, 36 through 50, we hear the story of a woman who had great understanding of who Jesus was. She understood that, that Jesus had come in the fullness of God's grace and truth and that she might be saved from her sins. She understood that, that Jesus' forgiveness was brought peace between her and God. See, in this story, one of the Pharisees had asked Jesus to come to his house to to dinner, and so Jesus went to the Pharaoh's house, and he took a a seat at the table. And while he was at the table, a woman of the city, who was a known sinner, having learned that Jesus was there eating in the Pharaoh's house, brought this alabaster jar of, of expensive ointment, and she stood behind him at his feet, and she was weeping. And she began to bathe his feet with her tears and began to dry his feet with her hair. And then she kissed his feet and anointed them with oil. Why would this woman be so filled with such awe and worship of Jesus to take this risk? You see, women in this culture were considered uh, some of the lowest of the low. They were just a step above children. And and, and in this society, they would have not been in the presence of men, especially when men were eating. And, And because she was a known sinner, she took great risk by interrupting this dinner. She could have been stoned to death because of what she was doing. But she was able to ignore all of that. And weep over Jesus' feet. Dry them with her hair. And anoint them with oil. How could she do that? How could she take such great risk? How could she ignore all of the chaos? Everything that was telling her to stay away. Jesus answers that question for us because you see the, the Pharisees looked at Jesus and they looked down upon him and they, and they thought to themselves, if he really was a prophet, he would know who was, who was touching his feet. He would know that and wouldn't allow that because she's such a sinner. You see, both the woman and the Pharisee needed forgiveness. But only the woman was able to put the picture of peace together and receive what God was offering. Jesus addresses that. It says, Jesus spoke up and said to the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the the debt for both of them. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greatest debt. Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Jesus said to her, You are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, the woman in the story had been forgiven of much. and In response to that she loved much. She would have never had that peace if she had allowed herself to believe that she didn't deserve it. And because she didn't deserve it, God wouldn't offer it. Rather, she put her full trust in who Jesus said that he was and full belief in what Jesus said that he offered and what he offered was forgiveness and healing. And, and once she received that. What did Jesus say? Go in peace. Leave those sins here. And go in peace. See I think many of us in this room today. Don't have peace. Because we're not willing to go. And sit at Jesus' feet. And receive what he is offering. Because we think oh I haven't done enough good things. I haven't done enough to deserve it. Well you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But I believe who God says He is. He is gracious and loving and full of mercy and slow to anger. And I believe that He's offering peace based on who He is, not based on who I am or what I've done. Peace isn't something that we find, it's something that we put together. We take who God says that He is, who God says that He is. And we apply it, we connect it with our lives. And then when we have it, we have it to give. That's why this is a gym, not an not a auditorium. We have to prepare ourselves and receive that peace that Jesus is offering. So that we can go out and tell others how they can receive that peace as well. I want to invite the, the worship team to come back up. And I just want to ask you today to, to take a little bit of the risk that the, that the woman took. Many of us at the beginning of this service, I said, who could use some peace? And man, hands shot up. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity to, to receive that peace. So Jason's going to play a little bit of uh, music for us. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I'm just going to ask you if you would like to receive the the peace that Jesus is offering. I'm just going to ask you to stand up and then I'm going to pray over us. Just a a little act of faith. You know, the the woman went, as as an expression of what she knew she received, she went and sat at Jesus' feet and worshipped him. So I'm just asking us to do that today. If you want peace, stand up. And let me pray over you. And then let's respond in worship. I'm standing. I need peace. I need the peace that Jesus is offering. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I stand with everyone who's who's on their feet right now. And I confess that I too easily Look at my circumstances, and, and I forfeit the peace that you offer. I too easy listen to the turmoil instead of slowing down and listening for your voice. I too often forget how you've been faithful in the past. I'm too quick to believe the lie that I've done too too much wrong, and I deserve the chaos that I've been given. I pray for all of us here, Father, that, that we would open ourselves up to you and we would receive your forgiveness. For whatever, whatever, whatever sins are being stirred up in these people's minds, and these people's hearts, I pray that they would hear you say, you are forgiven. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Father, we need your peace. And we're asking for your peace. Pray for all those who have stepped out in faith, Father. They would receive the peace that they need. And we would go and reflect that peace to this world. Who is desperate for it in response to what we've received, Father, as an expression of of understanding how much we've been loved and how much we've been forgiven. I pray that we would respond in worship as the, the woman at your feet did. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.